um, acknowledge that we that we weren't we weren't here last week, right? <laughs> uh, we'd be a bit a mix up. So I just want to say that um, that the reason that happened last week was entirely my fault. Okay, so I don't want any kind of chap going around at the centre double booked us or it was any problem with him. It was actually my fault. I knew that um, that thing was happening. Another group was in the centre last week. Uh, they told me in January, but of course, I never put it on my calendar. So, hey-ho, lesson learned. So, <laughs> but, um, so I apologise for that and for the inconvenience, etc. But it was really encouraging to see how, well, first of all, how um, good we are at communicating. Because uh, I hung around here till about quarter to 11 uh, last week and no one turned up. Uh, that was we're spending church, so that's good. Uh, and the other thing, we're just really encouraged to see people inviting, you know, opening their homes, inviting people in, you know, so that there was at least some fellowship, some worship, and some coming together um, last Sunday. So, um, so I apologise for my part and that not going right, and I will do my best to make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay, so what I meant was that last week we missed out um, on hearing Nikki. Um, taking on part two of our series, The Kingdom is at Hand. So we've done a wee rejig, um, and this is now part two, talking about something different than Nikki was going to talk about in part two. She'll now be about part six. Okay, we've worked it out, don't worry. It's in the calendar, it's in the calendar, don't worry, don't worry. So, um, so we're doing a series called The Kingdom is at Hand, and in this series, we want to give a, a kind of clear and explicit, explicit grounding um, of really what our DNA is as a church so that we can move forward um, with values that we share um, and with an expectancy and a participation in the kingdom mission that God has given us. And and rather than um, positioning this series with uh, this is what we believe in the vineyard or this is what we believe at Falkirk Vineyard, we want to position that, that the kingdom of God is a proclamation that Jesus brings in the Gospels, right? Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is, is near in the Gospels. And has, he didn't only proclaim it, he demonstrated the kingdom of God in his ministry and all his works and all the things that he said. The Gospel of Jesus is that the kingdom of God is at hand and that those who followed him experienced, experienced and participated in kingdom activity. So, like I say, the emphasis of our teaching in this series is not so much on this is what we believe in the vineyard. Rather, we want to look at what the scriptures say about the kingdom of God, what the perspective of the kingdom of God is in this world, and how it works out in the way that we live and how we operate and how we function, not just as a church, but in our lives as individuals. And so, Really, when we're talking about the, the, the kingdom of God is at hand, what that really means is this is what we do. The kingdom of God is what we do. It's not just who we are. It's not just what we believe. This is what we do. And we do it because that is what we see in the lives and ministry of Jesus and his early disciples. Their lives were demonstrations of the kingdom of God not just teaching in theory and this is what you must believe, but they demonstrated the truth um, and the activity of the kingdom of God. So this morning, um, 
we are going to look at how the Holy Spirit is central to how we, as followers of Jesus, live our lives in obedience to him. And when I say be obedient to him, what I mean is live out the kingdom of God, live out the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives. Jesus, in his ministry, he performed kingdom ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we see kingdom work taking place in the life of Jesus, we see the Spirit of God at work. Jesus did not operate as one part of the Trinity on his own. He operated as the Trinity under the power of the Holy Spirit. It says this in Luke chapter 3, um, talking about the Holy Spirit in Jesus, how the Holy Spirit um, became central to the ministry of Jesus. So Luke 3.21 says this, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are dearly loved, son, and you bring me great joy. Moving to Luke 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. If we just leave that up, if you go back to the, the one before, Ash, if we can do that. So, next one. No, next one's forward, two forward. Sorry. The one after that. There we go. So, this is important, right? It says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I just wanted to just let that just sink in. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say he was led by the Spirit. So we have two things here. We know that Jesus was filled by the Spirit, but that filling of the Spirit just wasn't just some spiritual enactment that he had to go through to begin his ministry. It was actually an activation of the call and purpose of his life. Because not only was he filled with the Spirit, the Spirit that was in him led him and directed him and guided him and prompted him to do what the Father wanted him to do. Because Jesus was a real human being, which means he grew spiritually by learning to be open to the Spirit. Sometimes we don't like to talk about Jesus growing or developing because we think he just landed as a baby and everything was just there. But remember, Jesus was fully human. So he, he, he grew, he learned, he was educated, and he developed um, a, a spiritual growth by being open to the Holy Spirit. Because even Jesus needed to be empowered from day one by the Spirit. And if this is true of Jesus, then it is true that you and I need the Holy Spirit even more so. And it is this same Holy Spirit that Jesus promised as a gift to his disciples so that they might continue the work of the kingdom. In John 14, Jesus said this to his disciples, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works for, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, 
who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. This is why we pray regularly and we should be doing this at every gathering in our church. We should be praying, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. That we would experience the presence of the Spirit and be empowered to live as Jesus did. Hearing the voice of God and participating as we see his hand at work in the world. So, I'm going to begin properly by looking at the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. So I've got the whole um, kind of first 21 verses of Acts 2 here. So we might just kind of, we'll put it in the screen, but we might just skip through some of it. Okay, but let's go and see what we get to. So it starts by saying this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled in each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, if we pause there. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. If we go back to the verses that we just read when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, you know the Spirit because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And this is the fulfillment of those words of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit came and he infilled his disciples. It goes on to describe that there was a, uh, because this was a, a feast, um, the feast of Pentecost, there was, there was Jews from all uh, over uh, various regions and countries um, came there. So we had loads of nationalities um, there. And the, the apostles and everyone who the Spirit poured on started to speak in the languages of everyone who was present at that time. The people stood there, amazed and perplexed. Verse 12, what can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk, that's all. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, it's not always peaceful. It's not always gentle in the sense of it's just a quiet, fuzzy, shiver up your spine moment. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes, it rocks people's lives. It may be that the Holy Spirit makes you look odd to other people. Because here they thought that the people were drunk. They couldn't understand what was going on. The power of the Spirit had come in such a way that it was incomprehensible to the world. Guys, isn't that what we want? And Falkirk, don't we want the power of the Spirit to be so evident and pouring out of our lives that what people are seeing and hearing is almost like incomprehensible, not just to, to, to um, what they practically know, but also like it, 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 it goes against like the, our, their worldview. It goes against their, 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 their moral compass. That, that it challenges um, the norms of life as it is today. That's what we want. Verse 14, it says, Peter stepped forward with 11 other disciples and shouted to the crowd. And he said, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, so it's much too early for that. 
No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And it says this, in the last day, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. None of this is quiet. Are you noticing this? None of this is quiet. None of this is under the radar. We'll come back to that. But there's so much in that passage about Pentecost that we could unpack, but we take more than just this one sitting today for us to, to go through that. So I just want to emphasize a couple of things from this passage. If you go to Acts 2 verse 9, we see this um, list of people from various regions and countries um, arriving in Jerusalem. And it said that all these people heard the apostles and the others speaking in their own languages. In that day when the Spirit was poured out, we had multiple nationalities, multiple languages, varied skin color and skin tones, different cultures. They were all filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit that day. We go into verse 17. And the prophecy from Joel said that in the last day I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Different age groups, different generations, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit on that day. And in verse 18, the prophecy from Joel says, In those days I will pour out my Spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So we have multiple nationalities, languages, skin color and skin tone, cultures, all filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Age, different age groups, different generations, all filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And men and women, no differentiation between sex, gender. Everyone was filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit that day who said yes to Jesus. Do you get where I'm coming from here? Right? This is for everyone. This is for everyone. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, isn't just for leaders or pastors or people up front or the ones, that they, the, the ones who think they're qualified or you, who you think are qualified to do it. It's for everyone. The Spirit of the living God is in you if you have said yes to Jesus. If you believe in Jesus and you love him and you have a pulse, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, then you have the ability to call in the name of the Lord and say, come Holy Spirit, so you can release the power and the purpose and the plans for your lives to be lived out, not just for yourself, but for all of those that you come into contact with. Amen? Amen. 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 Right? Are you with me? Right? This is really important because when we pray, come Holy Spirit, it is a prayer for everyone. It is a prayer for you to pray. And if you believe in Christ, every gift Every opportunity to serve him, every role in the body of Christ is available to you, whoever you are, when the Holy Spirit comes. Paul puts it like this in Galatians 3. He said, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. 
There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ. Okay? This is for everyone. So, why do we pray, Holy Spirit? What happens when we say, come, Holy Spirit? Well, sometimes the simplest of prayers are the best prayers. I was, I was brought up in a church culture where um, public prayers were very, very long and very, very boring. And spent a lot of time telling God a lot of stuff he already knew. But you know, it's good to pray, and it's good to pray for a long time. It's good to pray in long seasons in prayer and meditate on God. And I'm not being dismissive of that, and I apologize if I sounded like I was ridiculing it, because I kind of was, so I didn't mean to do that. But sometimes when we pray, we just have to get to the point. This prayer, come Holy Spirit, has been prayed by the church in many forms over the past 2,000 years, and it's become very important to us in the vineyard. Come Holy Spirit isn't a vineyard thing. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way. It didn't originate with a vineyard, vineyard, but we embrace it. We embrace it. The roots of this prayer go back to the first church fathers and mothers, to the first generations after the apostles who carried the flame of the gospel forward. If you go to Acts 2, verse 42, it said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is straight after Pentecost. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. When the Holy Spirit came on the early church, many miraculous signs and wonders were performed and observed. You see, come Holy Spirit as a direct and bold request for the Spirit to do the work that the Father wants to do in us and to be the fire that propels us out to do the work that the Father wants to do through us. Let me just say that again. Come Holy Spirit as a direct and bold request for the Spirit to do the work that the Father wants to do in us and to be the fire that propels us to do the work that the Father wants to do through us. These three words are not like a magic formula to bring the Holy Spirit into action. I know that the hard way. I've been in situations, difficult situations, and I've said, come Holy Spirit. And it's like, I believe the Spirit's there, but for whatever, I'm either not listening or I'm not understanding what God's doing, and I'm still in that situation. So it's not a click of the fingers. It's not, like, it's not a magic spell. And things just happen. Like it's a, Remember, when we're with God, it's relational. Because otherwise, it's, if it's just come Holy Spirit and we just expect, you know, it's just a formula. It, it can't be right. When we say the words Holy Spirit, we have, we have to actually expect the Holy Spirit to accept our invitation. It's not really a panic prayer which I must admit I have sometimes used it as. 
more, it's more like standing, or sorry, if we don't have an expectation that the Spirit is going to come and do something, it's a bit like us standing inside our home, saying to someone, come on in, but never actually opening the door. See, we have to open the door to the Spirit of God. Come Holy Spirit is a prayer best prayed when we have a willingness to welcome surprise and unpredictability from God. When we pray this prayer, we can't be sure of what will happen next. That day at Pentecost, the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and they performed many miraculous signs and wonders. How many miraculous signs and wonders are we seeing today? Did the apostles have something more than we have? Is, is, is our experience of Christ and of the Father and the Spirit, is it to be a lesser experience than what the apostles experienced? I don't think so. But what that does mean is we need to pray that prayer. We need more of this power in our lives. So we are in good company I think today when we say, when we pray, come Holy Spirit. Because we all need to see more of the activity of the Spirit of God in our lives. Yeah? Yeah. And you know, nothing beats the joy of seeing the Holy Spirit come and do what we are powerless to do in our own strength. Let me just give you an example, or a couple of examples. One, one was in church. When we first, um, the church that we were a part of before here, Vineyard Church in Edinburgh, I remember right, le- learning how to pray for people and all these kind of things. And I was praying for someone, and they'd come forward because they wanted healing. I, I forget what the, the ailment was or the injury that they were wanting prayer for. But as we started to pray, the person with me prayed, come, come Holy Spirit. And we could sense the, the, the Lord there. And it was definitely the Lord was on this, um, this person. Um, and I just sensed, like in my head, I, I just, I know now it was the Lord. I didn't really recognize it because I wasn't really in that environment so much then or certainly hadn't been in my life up to that point. But I just sensed God saying, ask, them if he's, ask this guy if he's okay. <laughs> well, he's come forward for healing. God, come on. You know, it's, it's almost like you hear that thing and it's like, oh, what am I going to do? And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to take the risk. I'm going to say it. So I just said, uh, are you okay? And he thought, he paused for a few seconds and then he just started to say, actually, I'm, I'm not okay. And he just started to open up about some real difficult stuff that was going on in his life. Um, you know, the different, different things to do with work and family situations and stuff. And he was just, he was a coiled up ball of like tension and stress. Couldn't see it on the outside, but God could see it. Sometimes it's the simplest things that activate the power of the spirit. In my head, like what, that almost felt like a ridiculous thing to say, are you okay? When he's come forward for healing. But God knows. And it just opened up a conversation. We prayed for the guy and um, he, he, he got a release from anxiety that day and his, the things in his life, God started to work in his relationships at home and his work situation all started to, 
just untangle um, and become better. And there was another time I used to find it really, that one of the things that I, I miss about um, my old job was that um, I, get, I, I, used, I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I always felt the pressure to do this in my work. So if I felt God wanted me to say something to someone. So I'd, this day I had this, um, I used to work in retail as a manager of uh, Primark and Sterling, fantastic establishment. I had loads of staff, loads of staff. So I had loads of problems, people issues and that sort of thing. And this day this, this, this uh, woman came to my office and she really was, she had been very difficult, let's put it that way, for quite, quite some time. She came into my office and we were having a chat about it and we were trying to work out how we can, you know, do all the adjustments at work to kind of get everything right. And I've just, I've just had this thing in my head. Uh, God said to me, ask her how her husband is. I'm like, God, I'm at work, right? You know, you don't, that's inappropriate, you know, to ask personal questions. So, okay, so I did it. So I just, you're sitting in the desk across me and I just said, uh, so I can ask, how's, how, how's your husband doing? And then she just, collapsed into a flood of tears and she just started to share all this difficulty she was having in her marriage and how it was affecting her and how it was affecting her kids and we realised like that's what the whole problem was with her being difficult at work she just had so much many other things going on so I'm sitting there thinking like this is the workplace you know, we've got to be respectful of the workplace boundaries. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to have to do something here. So I said to her, I said, look, I said, you know that, you know, I have a faith, you know, that I believe in Jesus. And I said, look, you know, it's, I'm not allowed from a work situation to like, to really to share my faith with you in the way that I'm just about it. <laughs> um, but I said, but I want you to know that you're loved and that God loves you and that in this even as workplace, you're respected and you're appreciated and all these things. But I believed, I just told her, I believe that God could take our situation and, and, and I said, would you mind if I just prayed over it? I just had a one-line prayer. I can't even remember exactly what I said, but I just said, Holy Spirit, come and would you release like freedom and tension and restore this relationship? Amen, kind of thing. And um, her journey thereafter Sadly, I, don't have, I can't tell in the story that she came to faith or gave her life to Jesus, but she, would, she always would come back and say, thank you for that day because things did start to improve. And then she would come back to me and just update me on how things were going in our lives. You see, when we act just even on things of inklings in our mind that we think God is saying, it can have a deep impact in people's lives. Jesus lived by the Spirit and we too have to learn to live by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active in speaking to the people of God. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. The Holy Spirit is active in speaking to God's people, to the church and to the world that he loves. And our jobs as disciples of Christ is to give the Holy Spirit permission to move in our lives and in our gatherings. We have to learn to live life in the spirit as taught by Paul in Galatians 5. It says this, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
That really doesn't need a lot of unpacking. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Anybody recognize that? How frustrating is it when we know what we should be doing in the name of Jesus? What we should be doing for the Lord and we can't carry out. And why is it? It's because the battle between what's good and evil in our own lives. Evil's winning. And we have to turn that around. So Paul says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Preach it, Paul. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The very thing that Jesus came to proclaim and to manifest to his people. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And right in these words, Paul is reminding the church the coming of the Spirit is the coming of God's presence to his people. To live in the Spirit is to live in an awareness of God's presence at all times and in all places. In the passage in Galatians, it also tells us that when we are aware of and responsive to God's presence in our life, he will begin to change us from the inside out. We've got the, the, the Galatians 5, 19 verses, Ash. Okay, so we see these verses up here. And this is what our life will become Maybe not all of it, but some of it, if we are trying to live a life without the Holy Spirit. But not only that, that is how the world around us will look if we're not living by the Holy Spirit. But if we move on to the fruit of the Spirit, this is what our lives look like when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And this is what the world round about us can start to look like. This is what we influence. This is what we pour out. And do not underestimate the power of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control over people's lives. When you start to transmit that and behave in these ways and these things have been worked out in your lives, it will affect positively over other people's lives. Again, in work when I work with Primark, one of the things I used to go and like I'd take over a new store and one of the things that uh, I, would, I would try and change in the culture of the store was swearing, right? You're not supposed to swear at work anyway, so I don't know what you're swearing for. But I just had this thing of like, I'm just going to not swear at all. I mean, sorry, but I, I wasn't swearing anyway. 
but just not, but just not do it. And just be really conscious of not doing it. And what happened was, like, it used to be in my management team meetings, there'd be a lot of that, you know, just work talk, workplace talk, industrial language and that. And it just slowly went away. Slowly went away. And there was a few hard conversations that we had to have with some people as well. And I used to look at this and say to God, this is how I want to run my workplace. I want to look like this. I want to be full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. And you know, in the main, I think that was achieved. I saw it, culture and behavior changing so often because I chose to act out of my Holy Spirit identity and live like this. You see, as the Spirit, as the Spirit reveals the love of the Father and His heart for us and all people, we learn to serve the Spirit of God rather than our own cravings and desires. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in our lives, then we are at the mercy of these other drives. And the things we will probably see it outplayed most in our lives will be in money, sex, and power or controlling behavior. But when we invite the Spirit of God into our life, when we say, come Holy Spirit, these other things are put in their place. They're given their proper perspective as we learn how to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, God often works from the inside out, not demanding that we have this new moral character or persona overnight, but rather he takes hold of our hearts and he changes our desires to his desires. And it's for this reason that in every setting of our church, every gathering, every small group, every youth event, every worship practice, every kids' church, we should be making ample space for the Holy Spirit to speak to individuals and to change us in ways that we cannot change ourselves. And that is why when we gather like this every Sunday, we seek to create an intimate place of encounter with God where the Spirit can touch us to speak to us. That's why at the end of our services we do what we call ministry time. It's a place where we're not in a rush to simply perform before God, but to value the moments where the Spirit speaks to us and changes us in profound ways. And that means that what we call ministry times or times of prayer for one another, we make space for that and we listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying. And when we pray, come Holy Spirit, either when we are gathered or when we, we, we do it personally, it's not because we don't believe that the Holy Spirit is not already active and present among us. This prayer is a petitioning of God, crying out to him to have his way in our gathering and in our time. And also, when we are doing ministry time here in Vineyard and Falkirk Vineyard, we're not inclined to hype up ministry time, to stir up some kind of whoo right? That's not what it's about. We're not going to hype it up or be afraid how many people might not respond in that moment to the Spirit's activity in their lives. That's why when I stand up here and I ask people to come forward for prayer, even if no one comes forward for three months, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. Because what if the Sunday I don't do it is the Sunday that God said, that's the day I was going to move. We have to keep doing it. Without the Holy Spirit active in our church and without our willingness to allow the Spirit to work in diverse ways, we have nothing to offer the world. I'll wait that to land. Without the Holy Spirit active in our church, 
active in our lives, without our willingness to allow the Spirit to work in diverse ways, we have nothing to offer the world. The church of God needs the power of God to fulfill the mandate of God in the world. The famous theologian Bono of U2 said this. I'm being ironic. But he said an amazing thing. He said, religion is what you're left with when the Holy Spirit leaves the building. Religion is what you're left with when the Holy Spirit leaves the building. If we are not saying, come Holy Spirit, we are just another religion. We're just another effort to try and make people's lives a wee bit better. But isn't our God about transforming lives and changing lives and changing culture and changing the world that we live in? You know, we are the vessels that he has chosen to do that. And we do it through not just having the Holy Spirit in us, but by praying, come Holy Spirit, so that the the Holy Spirit activates that which is dormant within us. This prayer, come Holy Spirit, is not passive. It's not just a liturgy. It's not just a a prayer of habit that we, we have to put out there. Come Holy Spirit is a prayer of action. We pray, come Holy Spirit, to activate the power of God in our lives, but not just for ourselves, but for the lives of others, for those round about us. Our lives are always growing and moving. There are always more people to meet, more people to love, more people to feed, more people to help, more people to serve. Jesus offers salvation and transformation to all, and we exist to proclaim it. But we can't just proclaim the kingdom of God. We have to demonstrate it. And we demonstrate it by saying, come Holy Spirit, have your way. And we choose to do what he wants rather than what we want. We allow ourselves, our lives to be developed and grown and turned into uh, objects of his desire than us being objects of our own desires. 